with Boost Mobile phones, you can make and receive cellular phone calls anywhere. It's like it's got games, text messaging, and a molecular transponder. And then he gets a phone call. He's like, "Where are you at?" He's like, "He's like, where are you at, dog?" And he's like, "Huh? Oh, it doesn't have that, but but it's got text messaging, right? Actual words on the phone." <laughs> Did you hear the chirp? Oh, it's so funny. And here we go. Um, it was truly a masterpiece. I don't know about all that. Ugh, absolutely the worst movie ever. Hands down, bar none, the greatest action spectacular. Yep. Well, uh, the other one just stuck them up. Are you asking me? I promise I'm not going to sing this time around. Welcome to Don't Be Crazy Podcast. I'm Justin Cavender, and with me as always is Mr. Zach Rancourt. Here we discuss and dissect what makes a film, past or present, absolutely amazing or just pure rubbish. All that we ask of each other, don't be crazy. Do not be crazy, Mr. Zachary. How are you today? <laughs> I heard you laughing because you were trying to decide if you wanted to call me Zach or Zachary. I know. I, I know. One of these days I'll get through it. I, I, it's so weird. It was good that I muted my mic for that one. <laughs> yeah. One of these uh, days. I'm, I'm doing well. Uh, just trying to survive this quarantine a little bit. Doing some push-ups, you know, eating, eating. I don't know, popsicles and stuff. Is It's just helped me pass the time. So oh, what about you? Um, I'm good. I've been watching a lot, of, a lot of movies, a lot of TV shows, playing a lot of video games, just this and that, trying to trying not to go crazy. Been taking a lot of pictures of my, of my toys. Opened hey. up a little action figure studio in my backyard it's like it's like pixar <laughs> and my gutter <laughs> my front yard <laughs> i, I saw gotta tell that, you, yeah <laughs> i look like such an asshole standing out in the rain with a hoodie and a flashlight <laughs> in my mouth taking a picture of georgie and pennywise <laughs> oh it's crazy uh i think that's the least crazy thing going on right now so yeah i think you're okay <laughs> yeah probably. what uh what have, what have you been playing video game wise um i've been playing a couple things um, I, I played through the story of uh, Power Rangers Battle for the Grid. Um, that took like an hour. No big deal. And then um, I've been playing Monster Hunter World. Uh, that's a lot of fun. Um, I've been playing World of Warcraft, Borderlands 3. Um, just a little bit of everything. Damn, look at you. Yeah. You're a renaissance man over here. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> Bettering myself through the video game. Uh, what have you been watching? Dude, I've been plowing through movies. Um, in the last like 24 hours, I've watched uh, Birds of Prey, Jaws, Little Nicky, um, South Park, Bigger, Longer, and Uncut. And one other movie that I don't remember, so it must not have been that amazing, but <laughs> I have been uh, Esta Ocupado. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh, Ricky Bobby. That's what it was. Talladega Nights. Oh, I love that movie. I, th- I think it's hilarious. I have been playing Call of Duty Warzone a bunch and MLB The Show just to help pass the time. And then for movie films, I watched two movies that I wasn't really happy with. I, I talked about this last time. Uh, Ex Machina. Um, I liked it up until the end and I hated it. Uh, I understand it but I just did not like it. And then I watched Zombieland Double Tap and it was uh, it was not good. <laughs> I don't know if you've seen it or not or if you're a fan of the first one, but it was just, I don't know. It felt very, very messy and all over the place. And uh, yeah, I, uh, I I can't recommend Zombieland Double Tap. So two thumbs um, way down. 
<laughs> I I watched the first one and really enjoyed it, and then I never saw the second one. But I think what's what's weird is that uh, I think Jesse Eisenberg has a lot to do with that. Uh, something about him has just rubbed me the wrong way, and I'm sure he's a very nice man, but. I just, I can't watch him in movie films anymore. <laughs> I don't know what it is. I'm just, uh, I think it was like his Lex Luthor that just kind of turned me off. I hated Lex Luthor so much. <laughs> and so now I just don't even, I don't even want to think about it. You know in, um, in Step Brothers when, when Rob Diggle's like, it's just, it's just your face. It's something about your face. <laughs> <It's> one, <laughs> like, that, that's what it's become. I don't know. I don't know why, but, um, you know, I tried watching, um, like American Ultra, and I didn't even make it all the way through. Um, I tried watching, um, what the hell is that one movie? The Social Network, and I really liked that movie the oh, first time I, I saw I it. Love but that I, movie. I tried rewatching it because it's on Netflix now, and mm-hmm. I was just like, oh, I can't, I can't do it anymore. So I, I, I need to get over it. Talk about soundtracks. The Social Network has one of the best scores of any film. The it its score is the best score of all the scores. <laughs> Your art is the prettiest art of all the art. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, I also watched uh, Empire Records on April eighth. Oh yeah, that's what it was. That was another one that I watched. Yeah. It's Rex Manning Day. I love that movie so much. So yeah, but anyways, we're not here to talk about those amazing films. What are we talking about, Justin? We are going to be talking about The Wedding Singer from 1998, starring your buddy, Adam Sandler. Directed by Frank Corassi and written by Tim Harley. I think I said those right. Is it Corassi uh, or Karachi? I don't know. I think it's Corassi. Frank Karachi. Karachi. Uh, yeah, stars Adam <laughs> no, Sandler. Framacho. <laughs> that means no cheese. <laughs> no, no big deal. <laughs> I, you're so fluent. <laughs> I feel yeah. fine. What are you talking about? <laughs> uh, it stars Adam Sandler, Drew Barrymore, Christine Taylor, Alan Covert, uh, who, if you don't know, he's from Grandma's Boy and other films, and he's he's been into a ton of stuff with Adam Sandler uh, and Matthew Glaive. I like, uh, the, I like Alan Covert and Little Nicky. <laughs> he's his roommate, his gay roommate. Uh, Oh yeah. See, I haven't I, I've seen Little Nicky once in my life and I liked it, but I was a kid. I should probably watch it again. Yeah, so I, I was in a pretty weird place when I saw I was in college and I went to go see uh a screening for Castaway and then didn't make it in time and so the line was too long and they gave us a free ticket to see anything else. So we watched um Little Nicky instead. <laughs> This Popeye's chicken is the shit, man. <laughs> He's like, get a blast. Oh, my God. I, I still say, like, super devil juice. Give me that little girl. Uh, that's something I like to say. I just like to throw it in as much as I can into a conversation. But anyway, we're not here. Again, we're not here to talk about that. What do you think? Uh, do you have the re- reception in front of you? I do. <laughs> For once. Uh, let's see here. Liam Lacey from Globe and Mail. He says, finally, an Adam Sandler comedy that you can sit through without wanting to throw a mallet through your screen. Uh, I guess <laughs> oh, that's his, yeah. Uh, at the time of this review, it's probably safe to say that the only other movies that were out were Bulletproof, Happy Gilmore, and Billy Madison. Oh, maybe Airheads. Airheads was 94. But I mean, starring, as far as a starring role, I would say... Billy Madison, Happy Gilmore, and uh, he co-starred in Bulletproof. So I totally forgot about Bulletproof. I like that movie. 
Yeah, that's not bad. I saw it in a hotel, Motel Holiday Inn. <laughs> Say what? Yeah. <laughs> True story. <laughs> it was on the HBO. That was free with the room. <laughs> with the vibrating with a vibrating bed too. Yeah. yeah. Uh let's see. <laughs> Allie Barclay from BBC.com says at its best, it is a gentle, well portrayed, feel good film. Hmm. I think that's true. How about I that? Yeah. True story. <laughs> Way to go, Allie, with an eye. That's from that's from Karate Kid. <laughs> just throwing that out there anytime you can quote the karate kid it's a good day uh charles cassidy from common sense media says not the most original comedy but many will enjoy hmm. how about that huh. peter canavas from uh Garacho reviews says the tone is set by director frank Coracci tends to the cartoonishly broad while making jokes at the expense of grotesque. I don't know about that. Hmm. What's gross? Is there anything grotesque about this movie? There's nothing. I don't. Maybe he maybe he saw the wrong movie. <laughs> maybe yeah, he saw maybe. Castaway. <laughs> yeah, that's a different different movie, dude. <laughs> Peter Pistol Pete, calm Pumpkin your downs. Yeah, um, that's that's pretty much it. Everyone's pretty happy with this movie. Um, no one's no one's really shitting on it except for uh, Pistol Pete there. Pistol Pete. Uh, how did it do box office wise? Not too shabby. Uh, the budget was eighteen million. Uh, opening weekend in the United States, which was Valentine's weekend. This came out February fifteenth. Um, made eighteen point eight million. Grossed eighty in the U.S. of A. and then worldwide. You're looking at one hundred and twenty three million dollars. That is successful. a smash hit, yes. Yeah. Especially in a time when uh, a billion dollar movie wasn't released every month. Right. Um, that That's kind of a new trend. <laughs> um, there was a time when if your movie made $100 million, you were a big deal. Totally. And th- and this was that time. Especially with a budget of $18 million, That's excellent. Yeah. So Good on that. Well, they went to, went to royalties for all the music. I know, right? Yeah. It's expensive to... Is that song even in the movie? <laughs> no. <laughs> I was say, but I don't remember no Howard Jones and no there, wedding singer. There's certain songs that remind me of every decade, and like the '90s is semi-charmed kind of li- or semi-charmed kind of life, yeah, by Third Eye Blind, and then the mm-hmm. '80s is is usually like Tears for Fears or something like that, mm-hmm. um, or that song that I was just singing, the Howard Jones or something like that. You said, yeah, Howard Jones. Um... Things things can only get better. He he wears an orange suit in the music video. I've never it's seen pretty, it. It's pretty sweet. I know what I'm doing tonight, though. <laughs> he's he's getting ready in his in his dressing room, and it's he's like putting his makeup on and he's getting his hair all floofified and <laughs> from like the '80s. They're in a big hair in the '80s, and then he's, <laughs> and he's singing, and then he then he goes out on stage and he's performing. <laughs> do you like Flock of Seagulls? No, but I can tell <laughs> you do. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> Yeah, I was hair, dying at that part. I love the hair in the eighties. That's I know, fantastic. Right? Uh, so Carrie Fisher, Judd Apatow, and uh, Adam Sandler worked uncredited on the script, which is pretty cool. The Princess Leia, uh, Charlie Sheen, and Christopher McDonald were considered for the role of Glenn. So Shooter McGavin, which I, I think would have been a little bit of overkill. So I'm glad that they picked that guy to play Glenn. He was also in Corky Romano too. That yeah, I him. Matthew, <laughs> like, Matthew believe. 
He's like, is it because I'm not in the groovy tie squad? <laughs> um, and then finally, Robbie tells Linda at one point to get out of my Van Halen t-shirt before you jinx the band and they break up. Well, David Lee Roth left Van Halen in 1985, the year in which the movie was set. So that was the little was in, inside joke. Nope, 85, because uh, Robbie, or I'm sorry, um, Julia and Glenn's wedding date is August something, 1985. It's It shows it like on a, a flyer, whatever they have. Mm. Whenever, whenever the beginning you of the movie, it's, it like identifies as 1984 for some reason. Oh, I don't know. Everything on here was just saying 1985. It's all so. good. Yeah. I'll take uh, it. Cool. I believe you. I believe. Let me give a quick synopsis, and I promise this is quick. I, I wrote this today. It's quick. I didn't even proofread it, so if it sounds bad, you can blame me. So if you're getting married in the 80s, you need the best wedding singer at your reception. Robbie Taylor is that guy, a consummate pro and all-around nice dude. Robbie meets Julia Sullivan, a waitress working at the same wedding that Robbie was hired at. A friendship starts as the two discuss their own personal wedding plans coming up. On the day of Robbie's wedding, he is stood up by his fiance Linda later explaining to him that he is basically a loser. Robbie is an emotional wreck and decides to retire from wedding singing. Julia seeks out Robbie's assistance in helping plan her, her wedding to Glenn, a cheating rich asshole. Robbie and Julia grow closer together as sparks between the two ignite. Robbie finally breaks out of his self-pity and realizes that he loves Julia. Julia, in turn, realizes that she is in love with Robbie as well. But is conflicted about leaving Glenn. The true nature of Glenn's cheating and douchebaggery is discovered by Robbie, who now knows he must tell Julia how he feels. Robbie and Julia seek out each other to express their true feelings, but as their wires get crossed, Julia ultimately decides to go to Vegas and marry Glenn immediately. Robbie then chases after Julia to Vegas. Robbie begins to regale his love story to the first-class passengers and Billy Idol, as Robbie suddenly discovers that Julia is coincidentally on the same flight. With the assistance of Billy Idol, Robbie confesses his love for Julia through song. Glenn is shoved into a bathroom and now is out of the picture. Julia confesses her love for Robbie and the two live happily ever after. That's the wedding singer. That's it. That's the movie. Pretty good. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we were talking about this before, but what did you think of this movie, Justin? I liked it. It was a good movie. It's a ghost thing. Ooh, that's a good stamp of approval. When did you see it? You said you saw it twice in theaters, yeah? Yeah, I saw it uh, opening weekend in the same theater. Uh, I don't know if I, I'm pretty sure I shared on this show that one time I went and saw a movie and then like the next day the, the roof caved in. Oh, in yeah. It was in that yeah. theater. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. I know, right? Um, they fixed it. And it got better. <laughs> and then... Um, then I really enjoyed it. I saw it with my sister. We had a lot of fun. We enjoyed it. And then when I, I was out of town, and then when I got back into town, I saw it with my buddy Brian Gregory in the Palm Springs. And he liked it a lot, too. Nice. Oh, yeah, I did, I did not see it in theaters. I, uh, it's too bad. I know. I saw it on, on the digital video disc. And I was dating a girl when I was like 18 or 19, and she loved it. So that was the first time that I saw it. Um, but I liked it when I first saw it. Um, there were some parts I didn't really like that I just kind of couldn't get behind, but I really enjoyed it. This what parts of those? Um, I just wasn't really into the '80s nostalgia and the the, 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 the comedy. 
<laughs> well, I also I also looked at movies differently and I was like, this is stupid and like started playing Xbox. But yeah, I really enjoyed it a lot more now, especially knowing how the trajectory of Adam Sandler's career. I mean, because when I saw it, it was probably 2000 and 2006, maybe. So it'd been out for uh, quite a while, but uh, he hadn't made some of the duds that he's made uh, recently. Yeah, and he so, had a lot of hits in a row. It was like Billy Madison, Happy Gilmore, Bulletproof. Uh, I don't know, Bulletproof. I, I mean, that came out, yeah. But uh, Wedding Singer, Waterboy mm-hmm. was the same year. Big Daddy, Little Nicky. It was just, yeah, uh, Mr. Deeds. It was just one after another. Yeah, Sometimes exactly. twice a year, three times a year. So yeah, he was exactly. um, a very, very busy man in the Hollywood. Yeah. It was before the... the uh, Sinister Six or whatever that movie is that he's in. The Magnificent Seven or something like that. Isn't that what it's called? <laughs> oh, the, Net- the Netflix one? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't watch them. Or Grown Ups and stuff. And before Click. So, but uh, yeah, you know, I really enjoyed it a lot more now. Um, Ridiculous if- Six. There you go. <laughs> the Sinister Six is from Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, but I do have a gripe about this. So I, as much as I really did like this movie, because I, I enjoyed it a lot. I didn't like how how nice Robbie was. He was like there there was no real flaw in him other than he was shy and he couldn't get married. He he didn't have a, a conflicting moment with with Drew Barrymore. So like in, in a lot of rom-coms, we see the main character start as kind of like this underdog person who is seeking a a significant other that's out of their league and they it's rough at first, but then all of a sudden, you know, they finally get the girl and they build that or or the guy and they get that relationship and then something happens and they break up or they split apart and then they have to do it over again. So you have that conflict kind of in the middle and it's nice because it uh, creates this sort of, I don't know, a good plot line for the movie, in my opinion, for a rom-com. And I look at movies like Forgetting Sarah Marshall, 10 Things I Hate About You, Jerry Maguire, 40-Year-Old Virgin. All of those have our main characters having a, a big setback in the middle of the film. And with Robbie, he doesn't really have that throughout this. He's just always is such a nice guy and a sweet dude. And he keeps getting shafted left and right. So does that make does that kind of make sense? Um, Yeah. I mean, they do have that moment where she comes over and and his ex is in his shirt and she's under the impression that they slept together. And That's that true. Drives them apart. Yeah, but yeah, so I, much I so just, where she's gonna go get married. She was literally going to tell him, "Hey, I was wrong. I love you, not Glenn Gulia." And when she sees <laughs> that he has gone back to his ex, <laughs> then she she has this realization like it's not meant to be. And then she goes to get married to the wrong man. I guess that's right. I mean, I did you even watch the movie? No, I just, I I read the spark notes version, but um, (laughs) I, so I I guess that makes sense, but I I just didn't feel like it was a big enough conflict for me. That was just my only gripe with it. It, Robbie just seemed like he wasn't flawed. He just seemed like I was rooting for him the whole time. And he was such a sweet boy and he liked meatballs. So, but it, but it's a but it's a love story, and she was she was under the impression that he slept with another woman, so yeah, that she true. that they weren't destined to be together. Their wires got crossed, and it's just one of those bad and you ha- place, you have a time sort of thing. You have a love conquers all attitude, and then that's right there in your face, and you don't even see it. Aunt Linda, y'all a bitch. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
He's like, thank you, Freddy Krueger. Go back to the boiler room. <laughs> so I, I think one really amazing thing about this movie, obviously, is because it's very front and center, is the uh, the setting. It's, uh, it takes place in the 80s, but it was filmed in the 90s. But the 80s are so interesting because they have this big pizzazz and loud fashion and style about them. What is what is our obsession collectively with the 1980s? Because I think we see these styles resurface nowadays or people who, who live and breathe through that nostalgic time. Yeah, I don't know, man. I, I really don't. <laughs> when when there were like the gigapet things, that was like pet, the pet rock. <laughs> oh, <laughs> my like, God. I forgot about those. Nano you know, pets, it, yeah. Um, but I don't I don't know, man. I'm so out of touch. And like like Hatchimals were like the um they were like cabbage patch kids where parents were just beating the shit out of each other to get one of these <laughs> fucking dolls. And you know, we were both working in loss prevention during the whole Hatchimal craze at Target, and people were mad and upset and standing in line like I want to sit on this goddamn egg already. And, and, <laughs> and they couldn't. And they are getting mad. But I don't honestly, I don't know if like fad wise. Um, I think it's going to be a while. Uh, sometimes I see people like in like, um, like jean jackets, which is pretty 80s. But um, I don't know. It's hard to say because the hair is so terrible. Um <laughs> It's like the worst. And the accessories, my God, are bad. And then even just fashion in general, whether it was like something that's supposed to be more uh, elegant or even like just cocktail dress, you wouldn't be caught dead in anything (laughs) from that. (laughs) It's so bad. Interesting. But I feel, though, that we I mean, I've seen a decent amount of films that go back to that. They were made like nowadays and they go back like so the, the best example I can think of is is Bumblebee. Uh, that was filmed that that took place in the 80s. Yes. And, you know, they that was they were heavy with the pop culture references and heavy with the 80s nostalgia. Uh, same with Ready Player One. You know, that was a obviously a callback because the book was like that, too. Ernest Klein was a big nerd for the 80s, mm-hmm. but it almost felt like every other paragraph was, hey, re- remember this? Hey, remember this? Hey, remember this? And I guess for me, and this this can totally be your opinion, but do you think the 80s are the best decade for pop culture? I think there's definitely a lot of fun ones, a lot of fun references for pop culture in the 80s. But I mean, things have changed so much. Uh, I mean, there was a time when, oh, at least when I was a kid in the 80s, where we would sit around as a family and watch you know, Family Ties or fucking The Cosby Show or something like that. Like It was an event that our entire family was drawn to, whereas now... Everyone is in their own rooms playing on their own phones and there isn't anything that happens that we all have to get together to watch or do, which I think is fascinating. Yeah. Well, and I mean, like uh, you guys on Geek Legacy did it, too, where Game of Thrones, right? So we're so used to it's weird to say, but we're used to um, shows being put out on on like Netflix and you just binge all 10 episodes. But with Game of Thrones, it was a a series yeah, once a week. Yeah. Yeah. Where you could have water cooler discussions. And that was that kind of uh, took what we what, what you're talking about right there, where you got together with your family in the 80s or the 90s and you watched a show and then talked about it with your friends. You know, for me, mm-hmm. for me, The Simpsons was was it's one of my favorite shows of all time. But I remember the Who Shot Mr. Burns episode. And I was in like, I don't know, second grade or whatever. And I just went in and was talking to my friends about who did it. And I was like, oh, it was a poo. I think it was a poo and just kept going and stuff. But those kind of fun discussions and things, I think, I think you're right. Um, 
It's just one of those things that we don't really we don't really have anymore because of technology. And I love technology, but I think it's it's just unfortunately spoiled us a little too much. Right. And 80s had some fun gadgets. I mean, you had your VCR, you had a camcorder, um, you had portable TVs, which is really weird to think oh, about. Yeah. <laughs> um, even like phones, like big brick phones. Um, there was this whole, there's this whole documentary that was on Netflix called the eighties. And there was this one conversation with this old guy that was talking and he was like, um, you know, this is like in like the seventies or something like that. And he was like, yeah, you know, pretty soon now we have phones in our cars or attached to a briefcase. But one of these days you're going to have a phone that's so small, it'll fit in your pocket. I mean, that's a guy that's just like. He's a witch. Way ahead of it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, whoa, calm down, buddy. I'm not going to put no phone in no pocket. And uh, I, I got my hands in those, you know. And um, it just, it, it blew me away. Like that, like that was, that was such a foreign concept. And so I think our heads were just in a different place. Um, but I mean, there were huge events, you know, like watching the finale to MASH or, you know, oh, yeah. Cheers, all these TV shows that just pulled the whole world together. Um, short of Game of Thrones, there isn't a whole lot out there that makes us do that. We literally all live our own lives now. It doesn't matter if you're if you're if you're a baby with an iPhone or you're a hundred years old in a retirement home. Everyone's got their own thing that's going on right now, and no one gives a shit. And I think the '80s is a time where that was different. And it's really interesting with the '80s because I feel that it was very co- cocaine fueled uh very yeah. fast paced te- technologically driven you know there were all of these things happening and um I, you've seen american psycho yeah i have so i think that that is a very good uh depiction of of what the 80s were and again i i lived in i was born in 87 so i lived for a whole whopping 3 years in the 80s and so i i, I wasn't alive during that but i feel that yuppie culture they they did a pretty good job of of capturing that. Would I be right? And that's and that's what Glenn is too in this movie. Glenn Gould mm-hmm. is a yuppie. You know, he's he's just paid he just paid whatever six hundred dollars for his CD player. Yeah, and um, that's like a legit thing. You know what's funny is my first DVD player was five hundred dollars. I got this Panasonic DVD player, and now Jesus. they give them away when you buy fucking Tic Tacs at <laughs> the grocery store. It's like, don't forget your DVD player; it's free with Tic Tacs. If you're that asshole that's behind them. And it's so funny how that works. Glenn, what are you going to do with Miami Vice? <laughs> Summer <laughs> <Yeah>. reruns. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. That's so great. Anywho. But, there, I mean, 80, the 80s were about, you know, the fashion and, and the loudness and, and being that next thing. And it's funny because they were all about pushing the technological uh, boundaries. And I think it, compared to any other real decade, uh, other than like, you know, the Industrial Revolution, they really were were... Uh, doing new and, and crazy fun inventive things because it's interesting like the 90s were more melancholy more grunge and everything right and then the 2000s were more i don't even know what the 2000s would be classified as because it's just I so hate new the 2000s. <laughs> yeah the 2000s isn't my favorite it's, oh it's, my it's god just weird. It's so bad i hate the 2000s but you know that is funny about you mentioned grunge and you know, my music went from big hair bands to like Nirvana overnight. And that is so weird. Right? Like, how do yeah. you make that transition? You or it's a- it just, it was literally they flipped a switch. It was, yeah. it was no longer, you know, fucking Motley Crue and Def Leppard. It was, it was Nirvana and Stone Temple Pilots and every other asshole that came out of Washington. 
It's like a in Detroit Rock City where disco goes to basically rock. And <laughs> yeah. Oh man, I forgot all about that movie. It's I like one of my it when those one movies. disco guys like try to jump them and then they get their asses kicked and then they put the kiss makeup on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, it's so bad. Anyway. Yeah. So, um, I mean, w- with all that, you know, Adam Sandler. This is this is the crux of of what I want to talk about for this show. So. Adam Sandler has been in a ton of movies. Obviously, we we listed a bunch of them. He's been working since the 80s in SNL. So he grew up around that time. Um, and he has put out film after film after film. One of the most iconic A-lister comedian actors in the world. But my question to you is, do you think that Adam Sandler is a good actor? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Sure. We'll say yes. I mean, he's fun to watch for a lot of people. Yeah. And can you elaborate a little bit on that? I don't really want to. (laughs) I mean, there are movies that I really like. I mean, I buy his portrayal as um, Happy Gilmore. Like, I know it's like stupid and silly, but I really like the way that he plays that character. I really like the way that he plays um, Bobby Boucher in The Water Boy. (laughs) Mama Um, did. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Captain Nintendo. (laughs) But, but I really like it when he's a normal person. Um, you know, I, I can laugh at Billy Madison, but I much prefer his uh, demeanor in something like The Wedding Singer or or Mr. Deeds or something along those lines. Um, I don't I'm not really a big fan of, of Billy Madison. I'd laugh at it and I watch it, but it's not my go to. I, I, I prefer Happy Gilmore way over Billy Madison. And then same with Wedding Singer. I think Wedding Singer is probably my favorite Adam Sandler movie. Ooh, look at you answering that question. I mean, it's not like I don't. I don't think that's a stretch. <laughs> and I haven't seen. <laughs> I, I can tell you right now, it has been at least a decade since I've seen the Adam Sandler movie. Really? Yeah. But yet you I, watched Wedding Singer and Little Nicky. <laughs> yeah. Well, I like those two a lot. But you know, yeah. Jack, I take that back. Jack and Joe came out in 2011, and I watched that. <laughs> there's this, uh, there's this uh, part where, where uh, his sister Jill, right? She's got like a voicemail on her cell phone, and <laughs> when it comes on, she's like, "What is this thing?" <laughs> it makes the beep sound, and it's so stupid, but I laugh at it every time. <laughs> I, I, okay, that whole movie played out, and my favorite moment was just someone leaving the greeting in a voicemail. <laughs> that tells you something. <laughs> What is this thing? Oh, she's so stupid. My so my thoughts on Sandler, like he has the stigma of of a goofball comedian, and it all kind of sure. stemmed from from SNL and his Happy Gilmore, Billy Madison days. Because Happy Gilmore and Billy Madison were the things that really pushed him to stardom, right? Sure. Um, his nonsensical and just loud style, his his rage style, you know, the come on, like that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. It, it it carried over to all his movies. Um, despite the plots of the film, he still did those. But regardless of all of that, I think films like Punch Drunk Love and Funny People really can show the sincerity, the sincerity and the authenticity that uh, Sandler has. The Wedding Singer isn't an exception either because he skips his extreme kind of goofball over the top shtick. He has one part where he kind of yells out when he's like, things I could have known yesterday or whatever. 
like that. Well, and when he sings his song, yeah, yeah, when he's singing the Love Stinks one, that that's when no, we no, sing, no, like, the one where he where she asks him if he's been working on anything lately, and he's like, yeah, I was oh, listening to a lot yeah. of The Cure. Yeah, then, I know. <laughs> <laughs> that's really funny. I love that, and you know, because as someone that creates little jingles every single day of my life, I can really appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, um, I so but that was. Cause, cause he, that was a funny moment, but it was actually really sad when you listen to the lyrics and you're like, this guy's just hurting. Cause then he breaks down crying afterwards. Uh, I, I really enjoyed that, you know, and he's this heartwarming character. He has so many moments of, of truth in this film where you feel like he isn't really acting. He's, he's giving it his hundred percent and he's putting a lot behind it. And it's how I assume Adam Sandler is in real life. I assume he's just a really cool guy to hang out with in real life. He just will shoot the shit with you. He's probably a, a polite person and he's like, whatever, let's just get sweatpants on or something. So, and I, I haven't seen uncut gems, but I'm hearing it's incredible. I, I, I will see it. It's just, it's been on my list for a while. So I watched a, uh, Justin, you know what YouTube is? You know what YouTube is? I, <laughs> with I, I all watched, the cat videos. <laughs> yeah. All the cat piano videos. I, I watched this, uh, really good, uh, channel from captain. His name was captain midnight on YouTube. And he basically broke down the four styles of Adam Sandler movies. So these are the styles, the man baby films. These are the childish underdog slob versus snob setup. It doesn't really fit into er, the main character, Adam Sandler, doesn't really fit into societal norms or social statuses with others, yet he finds a way to win. And we see a lot of Sandler's rage. So examples of this are Billy Madison, Happy Gilmore, and Little Nicky, where I think Little Nicky is the lesser of them, but Billy Madison and Happy Gilmore, you know what I'm talking about, where he's this lovable loser and he's kind of childish, but he he wins the day, basically. Yeah. I've seen yeah. those finger paintings you bring home and they suck. <laughs> they suck. <laughs> I'm sorry, baby. I, I didn't mean to you. <laughs> yeah, go on, get the hell out of here. Who needs you anyway? Beat it. <laughs> I, knew, I knew the guy from high school, so he gave us some extra meatballs. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty good. Um, and then you have the rom-com era, the rom-com types of films. I mean, that's self-explanatory. They're boy meets girl, falls in love, or some weird thing happens and tries to fall in love. You get The Wedding Singer and Fifty First Dates. Those are the two that I can really remember. And they're hit or miss. I mean, people like them or they hate them. Uh, I liked Fifty First Dates and I liked The Wedding Singer. So sue me. But I didn't like Blend. I didn't like sue me. I didn't like Blended. So uh, and then you have that is. It was this really bad movie. Then you have Rich Dad is is his classification. And these, this is when he plays an upper middle class dad. Uh, he's not the underdog, but instead he's more in control in these situations. And he's just kind of on autopilot with his acting. He's he's repetitive and his jokes are, are pretty lazy. They don't really hit home. They're not funny. He doesn't do much rage stuff and he doesn't do anything that's over the top. And the movies I'm thinking of are Grown Ups, Click and Jack and Jill. Did you like Grown Ups? I saw the first one, but not the second one. I, I barely remember it. I got yeah. it on the red box when that was a thing. Ugh, it's it's uh, not good. I don't, I, I don't like grownups at all. I think it's one of his worst. And it's just, I mean, it's, it's cool that he got to hang out with his friends. But I was like, why don't you just do that like in person? Would you have to film it? Maybe uh, play like basketball and stuff, right? They're like at a summer yeah. camp type place. Yeah. And he was never really put in a situation where he needed to start from the bottom and go to the top. He was always kind of like, floating at the top so i i there, there wasn't any conflict and it was just it was interesting but you know it it, it it is what it is 
And then finally, you have the outlier type of film with Adam Sandler. And this is when Adam Sandler breaks his comfort zone and he and he breaks out of that typecast of being a, a nonsensical comedian. And you look at movies like Punch Drunk Love, The Meyerowitz Stories and Uncut Gems. And with those, he's really tackling something that he's never done before, per se. And he really hones in on on what what I think makes Adam Sandler a great actor. And so there's that's that's my conclusion for this is I feel that Adam Sandler is a great actor. And I think that he portrays this underdog quality that we all have where he's he's in there to succeed and you really want to root for him. But <laughs> the world's just giving him shit and, and hitting him left and right with all of that. Oh, my God. My, my favorite quote of all time from The Office comes from season eight, Robert California, where he says, there's something about the underdog that really inspires the unexceptional. (laughs) (laughs) I love that one. When he chooses Andy. Yeah. Yeah. It's so funny. Nine seasons. And and that's my favorite quote of all time from that show. I do like Robert California. Jim, would you like a sexual uh, (laughs) analogy or a nature analogy? Ooh, the nature, please. (laughs) When two animals are having sex. Yeah, it's pretty great. Basically, for in my opinion, I think that Adam Sandler is always he always creates this unique character. And and what can happen is when we see him in roles like Uncut Gems, you're like, okay, when is he gonna do the shabbatoo that kind of stuff? And he mm-hmm. totally breaks it. And no matter what, if Adam Sandler's name is on a movie, you're probably gonna see it. Even all of his shitty Netflix flops, obviously he's been doing something right for for quite a while. And yeah, I mean, I I truly think he is a very good actor. And I've, I, I think he has his stamp on, on, on film history. But does that kind of make sense? Yeah. So I, um, I went to the to the internets and I asked people around, kind of what was going on. And so we got just real quick. Um, my buddy Matt says it, it seems kind of crazy to say, but he he really is a good actor. Pretty much everything he's done in the realm of drama has been outstanding which is hilarious for someone who has the poster boy for shit film or who was the poster boy for shit film. And that's true. He had a lot of duds there from like the 2010s to now where they were just real shitty movies. Mm-hmm. Um, Aaron says, I didn't think he was capable of playing a character like he does in uncut gems until I saw him in uncut gems. So apparently I need to see uncut gems, but that's neither. here. Did you see that yet? No, it's on my to do list. So I did hear that it's like a two hour panic attack basically watching it so i'm like i don't know if i can watch it or not I, I'm yeah gonna watch I, it, but. I don't know yeah i haven't found the right headspace to be able to to watch it that's kind of how i feel right now i feel because the safety brothers they make some pretty intense films and i feel like i need to be there but i am gonna watch it i, mm-hmm. I promise promise i'm kind of a delicate little flower right now and i just <laughs> need some nurturing and and just a little ray of sunshine to um Stop from Quilton, and that movie might push me over the edge. I'm walking on sunshine. Whoa. And on Facebook, uh, Heather says, I can't even think of a movie he has been in that hasn't been great. I'm constantly quoting Happy Gilmore or Waterboy. He has that relatable laid back vibe that makes you want to be his friend. I was just telling her husband, uh, he's the one celebrity I wouldn't know what to do around because I'd want to be cool and I'd be so excited, but I'd also want him to think I'm an annoying fan. He's always funny and he's average. And he's average appearance, in my opinion, and he just has the normal guy vibe. People can relate to. I agree with her that he has a normal guy vibe. 
um, he for the Oscars when he didn't get nominated, he he was quoted as saying, you know, thank God that I don't have to wear a suit. I'm just going to put my sweatpants back on or something. So that was pretty cool. Tom says, good actor that tries only about 20 percent of the time. I think it's I think it's reasonable. Where do you get that percentage from? I don't know. Based (laughs) on the 77 films that he's got acting credits to or do you get 20 percent he, he, he said for every four movies he makes like <laughs> like like grown-ups ridiculous six or jack and jill he makes one like spanglish or punch love. that's true mm-hmm. it's like the studios are like all right you can have your four films with kevin james and rob schneider and whatever you want to do and then did you ever did you ever watch south park at all yeah did you remember the episode when cartman played the the robot and he went to the studio execs and they were like his name Osimo. His name is Osimo, and he pumped out all these ideas for movies, and everything was just Adam Sandler stars in this and whatever. But I don't know. I, that was pretty much a microcosm for what Adam Sandler films are. Perfect. Um, yeah, and I mean that, that's pretty much it. Uh, there, there's some other people too uh, who are just like you know, no, he's only good at playing himself. This is what Camilla says. He's only good at playing himself. He's great at voices and faces, but he's not really an actor. He used to be a great comedian, but not all comedians can make the transition to actor. He couldn't, and he's really not that funny anymore. <laughs> he's she, she's laying in. He's still trying oh, to do man. some same old shtick. I know. I disagree. That's my aunt. I disagree with her, but uh, you know, he's, I, I he's not gonna make it. <laughs> <laughs> he failed. Yeah, <laughs> oh geez oh and then rob our buddy rob is always like i've never watched any of his serious roles because i can't stand his comedy quote unquote uh it was funny when i was 12 but 20 years later still doing the same same shtick is just sad i don't i disagree with you rob i don't think he's doing the same shtick sorry so that was long that was long-winded but um yeah and then you actually i was gonna ask you you kind of answered it too where does this movie rank in your in the echelon of adam sandler movies because i know you're the biggest adam sandler fan there is oh, yeah 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 <laughs> i like jack and Jell. i know you what like is this thing <laughs> i know you like pixels a lot that's like your favorite movie you know i never saw it it came out a week um gosh so i remember when i was at comic-con one year and that was like uh all over the tv and i didn't get a chance to see it but i like the idea of it but i never saw it yeah, I heard it didn't it didn't execute well, but I did like the idea a lot of it. I thought that would have been really fun. Again, eighties nostalgia. So yeah, I like the Pac Man's. I would say Wedding Singer and Happy Gilmore are my two favorites, and I really enjoy Little Nicky, but that's for different reasons. That was um, a movie that me and my roommate in college, Sohail Najaran, we used to watch like every day. It was always on the background, and anytime we come into a room, we'd always be like, "I'm freaked out." <laughs> <laughs> or or if, if he was doing something I didn't approve, I would say, I'm going to pretend I didn't see a dog on my couch because my brain just can't process that right now. But were you about to drink one of my Cokes? And so, and then also the super devil juice. Give me that little girl. Um, I, I just quote that movie very often. And so that one is pretty high up there. But I, I would probably say that it would be like Wedding Singer, Happy Gilmore, Little Nikki. Uh, Billy Madison, and then Waterboy. And then I would probably stop there for a comedy. Oh, I love Waterboy. The movie is so goddamn funny. Um, for me, it's it's got to be Happy Gilmore number one. I think that that's one of the most rewatchable movies of all time. Like I, I that'll be on TV and I'll just continue to watch it. Although mm. if, if it's on cable, they edit it. And I, I, I can't do that because it's just he swears a lot in it. And it's just funny oh, when he really? swears. He doesn't oh, swear yeah, a ton. But- 
But he's, isn't it like bleep because it's always shown on TV? So sometimes, uh, well, yes, that's one of the jokes. But sometimes uh, he does swear and they they bleep it and they'll say like, you piece of slime or something. And it's just. But, but I, I mean, I but I mean, when when he's having his freakouts, I yeah. thought it always cut to actors on the TV or on the in the movie watching his performance on TV. So it would be bleeped. You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah, yeah, I, I know what you're saying. Yeah, you're right. Um, I, there are just, some parts just for the though, sake of it being because it's not rated R. No, 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 no. There are some parts though when he does swear. But yeah, you're right. The the bleeping thing because yeah, they leave it on the background and they're like, we can't have this in in the in the league and whatever. And I, and I do think Shooter McGavin is probably one of the greatest villains of like all time. <laughs> yes, <laughs> like he he belongs on an AFI top villains of all time list. Shooter McGavin is just amazing. Christopher McDonald is just just second to none when it comes to being an asshole in a movie. <laughs> One of my favorites is in Thelma and Louise. He plays, uh, he plays Thelma's um, uh, husband. And he's like this total white trash asshole husband. And there's this part where he's like standing in his pizza when Harvey, uh, Harvey Keitel is trying to explain to him that his wife has become a criminal. And she's on the lamb. And he's like, what? <laughs> like the funniest thing ever i fucking <laughs> love christopher mcdonald uh i realize that's a bit of a of a reach but thumb and louise is actually a really good movie and it wouldn't um hurt us to do an episode on that movie it's actually directed by ridley scott and he has his own little stamp uh, on movies you know you can usually tell pretty pretty quickly that you're watching a, a ridley scott movie when they're on and i think thumb and louise is one of those i think that that would be a good choice Look at you, little ray of sunshine. But so I, I quote Shooter McGavin. I quote Happy Gilmore probably like almost every other day. And one thing I say a lot from Shooter McGavin is I'm like, you know what else could draw a crowd? A golfer with an arm growing out of his ass. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, that's pretty good. I, I, I do that. I always do the, oh, and you can count. <laughs> <laughs> and you can count on me waiting for you in the parking lot. Dave and I do that all the time. Like when we're doing like sample inventory and stuff of toys. Um, we're like, I'll say that there's like five. <laughs> He's like, oh, you can count. And then we'll totally go into that almost every single time. And we're just down the warehouse laughing like a couple of assholes. And then uh, I also like to say, um, how am I supposed to chip with that going on in the background? <laughs> Two naked bikers having sex in the woods. <laughs> oh, man. Hey, Shooter, you want to go to Sizzler? <laughs> Get some grub? Yeah. He's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. So that one's probably uh, number one for me. I really like Big Daddy. Uh, I, I think that that is... is more of a favorite than the wedding singer for me. I really like the wedding singer a lot, but punch drunk love has got to be number three for me. And then, um, yeah, who knows what happens with the uncut gems though. We'll see. So yeah, you'll probably like it. You like everything. I hate everything. So, um, here's something that I want to ask you because I was, I was not born in the eighties and you like thrived in the eighties. You were an original Patrick Bateman on wall street, comparing your, your, uh, business cards with other people. Yeah. I was doing lines of cocaine. They they had a Huey Lewis song in this film, and then so I think it was the Police, and then it was immediately Holland Oates, and then it went to like Huey Lewis, and I'm like, this is great, the Wedding Singer. Yeah, they tried to cram like every single song into the the movie. Sometimes it was only just a song for like eight seconds. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like oh, now we don't have to pay anybody; we only use it for eight seconds. It was a really good soundtrack, though. I really enjoyed that a lot. So, but the things I want to ask you, uh, rapid fire, these are going to be your favorite 80s things, the favorite things from the 1980s and, and things is plural. So you can pick more than one uh, favorite 80s band. Depeche Mode. Ooh, Easily. personal Jesus. 
still my favorite band. <laughs> and they're still uh, rocking and rolling, man. I know. Dave they're, Dave Gahan uh, is fucking amazing. They're doing well. Uh, favorite fashion trend from the 80s? Ooh, uh, big hair and swatch watches. What are swatch watches? Yeah, Google it. <laughs> and I like all I the accessories. Know. The big stupid hoop earrings and like 30 bracelets on each arm. Yeah. That's pretty cool too. I can see that. Uh, favorite TV show? Ooh, Cosby show. And then, uh, well, I mean, as before, he was, everyone knew he was an asshole. I know, I know. Um, I'm just saying, uh, time, <laughs> time, time machine wise, that was my favorite show. And then, but I liked all the, you know, sitcoms. Um, there was, there's something to be said about the lost era of, of sitcom theme songs and just watching reruns. You know, there was a time when you could, if you stayed home from school, you were stuck watching reruns from shows from like the 50s and 60s and 70s, basically. So, um, I actually know probably over 50 theme songs <laughs> because I was just <laughs> always watching reruns. So that was one of my favorite things about 80s TV in general is just the reruns. Right. Uh, what about favorite movies? Oh, shit, man. Um, Big Trouble in Little China, Weird Science, Beverly Hills Cop, Planet and Automobiles, Goonies, RoboCop, Police Academy 2, First Assignment, <laughs> Fast Times at Ridgemont High, um, fucking Empire Strikes Back, uh, Return of the Jedi, Jaws 3D. Oh, those are great. Those are great choices. Okay, finally, foods. Um, my favorite food from the eighties. <laughs> um, yeah. gosh, honestly, I think uh, dine-in pizza huts where you would go and um, they usually had a couple arcade machines. You drank out of those hard red plastic cups. Oh yeah. Um, I just liked how it was like a restaurant. I always thought that was kind of cool instead of just ordering in, going out for pizza. And then, Ma, like, I need, if you went- I need some quarters. <laughs> yeah um and then like at the mall like you know hot dog on a stick and shit like that that's kind of cool but um there isn't any particular food that i remember eating from the 80s i will tell you that when i was a kid um i would always get chocolate pudding in my lunch from my mom and they used to come in these fucking like cat food cans and they had like this stupid <laughs> to- like a soda top that you would like a, like a tab that you would have to pull and then pull the lid back just like cat food and fucking chocolate pudding would always just fling onto like either me or the poor asshole next to me. It was a terrible idea. So uh, <laughs> kudos to the nice uh, Jello pudding people for putting it in a plastic container instead. Yes, it hey. ruined the environment, but I did had a lot less pudding on my clothes. <laughs> and that's what matters. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I mean, I, I wasn't again. I wasn't really alive in the '80s, so I, I I totally can see that. Um, did you see any of those kind of references that you're like, oh, I like that in this in the Wedding Singer? Oh yeah, uh, tons actually. Um, in fact, I would. <laughs> Poor Alex, she had to listen to me. Just it was almost like director commentary was on. <laughs> <laughs> I would just sit there and talk and talk and talk a great length about whatever was happening on the screen and why it was that way. It was pretty bad. <laughs> You know, and I mean, I'm not even going to fit into your pocket one day. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, I'm only seven years older than you, but mm-hmm. I love the 80s so much that I have spent a large portion of my time enjoying that decade by any means necessary, whether it be through through music or um, documentaries or just conversation. Um, I just I'm fascinated by that era. So. That is the only extent of my education. 
And I think Adam Sandler is the same way too. And that's why this was kind of like, I feel like this was a really fun project for him and something that meant a lot to him because he has a lot of callbacks to the eighties in, in most of his films. And so right. I think well, he was that a this teenager was in the eighties. So that was mm-hmm. better for him. He exactly. Got to, he got to live that shit more so than I did. I mean, I rem- I had an older sister. She was four years older than me. So part of the reason why I knew all the music was because my sister was obviously much older than me. So when she was rocking out to MTV, you know, I wanted to sit there and watch cartoons. And she's like, fuck off, man. I'm going to watch this music video. And so that's why I was able to even know who certain bands were because I had to deal with her. <laughs> I was like, dude, fucking gummy bears is on the TV. And she's like, eat a dick. We're going to watch this big hair band. <laughs> ma, 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 yeah. ma. Yeah, the uh, apparently that was supposed to be uh, that was supposed to be David Lee Roth, but they couldn't get David Lee Roth, so they made it Billy Idol, which I oh. like. I like Billy Idol, so that was cool. But do you think that Adam Sandler has a good singing voice? Yeah, I enjoyed it. I thought he did a really good job when he was singing all of his songs. And actually, in total, he only sings about three songs, I think, uh, and then he does like his own songs. Um, I was reading something about that. But yeah, no, I, I thought he did a really good job with that. One of my favorite uh, sneaky lines in there is when Steve Buscemi is on screen and mm-hmm. he's, you know, at the beginning, he's he's saying the speech and he grabs a guitar and he's like, oh, he's playing the guitar now and he plays it. He goes, yeah, how you like that? Self-taught, no lessons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, talking to his dad and everything. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Pop. He goes, the best man, the better man. <laughs> I uh, I love the the cameos that that are in this film. Like John Lovitz was really good. Kevin Nealon was really good. Uh, oh, his his brother in law. I I I, forgot, I don't know the actor's name. I forgot him, but he was really funny. Like oh yeah, his brother in law is um, Frank Severo. He's I always call him Carbone because in Goodfellas that's his name. That's right. Has that, yes, he has that same fucking haircut in like yes every movie he's in. <laughs> It's so bad. Holy shit. And so every time, because I, I buzz my head pretty often, and every time I do, I have to do the sides and back shorter just because of carbone. Like, I don't <laughs> want my whole head to be the same length in hair. So, like, I like I don't want a carbone. That's what I always say. Shit, <laughs> my head. So, yeah, I, I will always remember Frank Severo because of fucking carbone. Yeah, he, uh, I like when he's he's talking about, he's like, you know, me and your sister, you know, when you're married, sometimes, sometimes she does this little exotic dance for me and plays with my nipples. <laughs> he's like, just yeah. go out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a TMI, my friend. I know. I, I really did like all, all the chemistry of the actors in this. Um, mm-hmm. Drew Barrymore, I, I, I don't really care for her as, as an actor, honestly. <laughs> I, I, I just I just She's don't great. I don't know. Great, I've I've just never really been super impressed with her, but whatever. Uh, anyways, her, the, the chemistry <laughs> that the chemistry that they have is, is good in this. And obviously it's it's you know, they work together on two other films after this. Um, I enjoyed what they had and everything that was bouncing around. Um, Christine Taylor was really good. Who oh, is love married. Her. Yeah, she's beautiful. She's married to Ben Stiller, correct? She was. I think they got was. Oh, OK. She's well, on the market. Uh, Ooh. But yeah, she was great as the sister. I thought I love the Madonna look and uh, just all that kind of stuff that was going in there. So uh, I think they're cousins. I don't think they're sister. Oh, they're cousins. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, yeah, that would probably make sense then. But 
uh, yeah, I, I think that they all blended really well. And I like when he was messing with, with his buddy, with Sammy, and he made him drive the limo <laughs> they were through cones. the cones. Yeah. <laughs> <They're> cones. <laughs> yeah. You better hurry up, man. You're not going to make it. <laughs> so funny story. Dave Edmondson and I, we, we try and stump each other on movie quotes all the time. And circa 2002, I stumped him with, they were cones. And to this day, he denies it. <laughs> he doesn't, he like, didn't know it. I was like, motherfucker, he was in a Burlington co-factory parking lot. You did not remember what that was from. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, but to this day, he denies it. But it is true. He got defeated on They Were Cones. <laughs> so, throwing that out there. I don't think I could ever beat you in that because I remember the lines, but they're all like garbled in my head and you just you know every you know everything like oh this came out in this date and that's when coke zero i mean that's when uh pepsi clear was out and i don't know like fuck dude i remember having a funny story this i mean it's not that funny but speaking of pepsi clear i had just left uh six flags magic mountain and we were eating dinner at a black angus and oh, and pepsi clear was a thing <laughs> and it just come out and everyone's like dude have you tried the pepsi clear and i'm like I don't, I don't, I can't do that. <laughs> and and so it was, it was not that funny, but I remember having a conversation about Pepsi clear, but like, I'm, there's certain things that I just won't do. Like when ketchup tried to be green or purple, it just oh, didn't yeah. work for me. I couldn't mm-hmm. do it. And Pepsi's supposed to be the, the brown and is, is not as clear. <laughs> I can just write because <laughs> it's supposed to be clear or seven up. But if something is supposed to be one way, it's, it's, it's gotta be that way. I can't, I can't deviate. I uh, I remember Pepsi Clear. That was good. I, I I think that if you pause this movie enough, you can probably sit back and count all the the cool pop culture references. I, I'm sure someone has done it online, but that's I don't have the time nor patience to do that. Nor would I get a lot of them. Probably I'd be like I I don't I don't know what this is. So yeah, that's too bad. But yeah, I mean, I, I thought it was a really sweet movie. I think I think that it's an enjoyable flick to put on if you're. If it's like a rainy day or you're in, I don't know, a quarantine or something like that, it's 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 just good to watch and it's happy. I didn't feel the only time I, I, I did get teary eyed was at the end when he sang the song to her because I thought it was so sweet. And the lyrics when you listen to him were just very, very sweet. But that other than that, it was a feel good movie. I mean, I don't know how you felt after it, but. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought it was great. Hell I enjoyed yeah. every second of it. Um. I mean, I've always had that sort of passion and love for the 80s. So when I was sitting in the theater watching it, um, I just had a smile on my face from start to finish. Even when it opens with um, with uh, Right Round. Or you, you spin, spin me right me round. Right yeah, round that are alive. Right round. I was like, all right, now we're talking. And I really like um, George, too. Like, <laughs> give me time. <laughs> And then, like, he's not back from his break, so then she, like, okay, let's do it again. Oh, man. She started, she started, it's like her only song, Do You Want to Hurt Me? Holy shit. That was, um, that was pretty goddamn funny. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. Uh, just later on, uh, that was, um, I think she was credited as, like, Alex Arquette when that came mm-hmm. out. And now it's Alexis. But then um, she passed away in 2016, yeah, HIV. Yeah. Well, thanks for bringing the show down. She was great in Wedding Crashers. (laughs) Well, I mean, I I think that's a really good role. What did I say? Crashers? Crashers, yeah. 
Yeah, and wedding yeah. singer. Um, no, I mean I think it was a great role. I, totally, I she absolutely knocked it out of the park. <laughs> I like when she, um, when Robbie realizes that Linda's not there, and he goes into the <laughs> the, the, the gazebo and like throws Start it. Crying. She's like, oh, oh my god! god. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just like makeup funny. smeared everywhere. It's so just funny. Instantly crying. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> like bites her hand. Oh, oh. my god! Put like our whole fist in her mouth. That's yeah. so great. No, I, I, mm-hmm. I thought th- this was a fun, a, a fun movie to see Adam Sandler kind of just be goofy and be himself and go back to that charming, you know, boy quality he had in in Saturday Night Live when he was in Saturday Night Live. And so it was uh, it was cool. It was the start of his 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 really prestigious acting career. And that's all I have to say about that. So what about you? Do you have any other parts you want to talk about the movie? Are you done? Um, I think I think that's everything. Cool. How did you watch it? Uh, on this time, I watched on digital video disc. On DVD. Regular Ray, not Blue Rage. <laughs> my my friends, Lauren and Courtney, were the ones that suggested this movie to me uh, for this episode. And I have it, like the ultimate 80s edition or whatever, on DVD, but it wouldn't play. So then I tried to borrow theirs or borrow Courtney's, but um, I just instead decided to buy it on digital because I was like, you know what? I should own this movie. So yeah, I'm it happy. looks better anyway. Yeah, it, it looks, looks way better. 1080p is a lot better than whatever <laughs> the hell it is. 480 <laughs> I don't know. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I agree. But um, yeah, man, I mean, that's that's all I got to say about that. Really enjoyed it. Uh, letter grade. What did you what do you give the wedding singer? Uh, well, I mean, it's hard for me. I, I give it a, I would say a B. It's a, it's a good, it's a good movie. You should go see it. I can't give it an A because I mean, yeah. and then it ranks it up there with other movies. As far as comedies go and rom-coms, it's an A. But totally. as, as far as like on the spectrum of, of all the movies in all the world, I'd probably give it a B. Yeah, I think it's, it's a really, good. a really good rom-com and it's, it's appropriate that it came out during Valentine's Day. I think it's, it's up, up there in the top tier. But yeah, as a regular movie, I, I give it a B also. So I think, I think that's good. I think in his, in his portfolio of work, it's pretty high up there. But as a movie in general, it's just a B. So solid. Um, cool, man. Want me to take us home? Yeah, do it. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening to the Don't Be Crazy podcast. Uh, thank you for all of the feedback on Twitter, on Facebook. We love you guys so, so much. Remember to follow us on Twitter at dbcrazypod, at edgyarmo, and at zachdale60, where you can share your thoughts with us, and we will discuss them on our show. We also have a Facebook page, the Don't Be Crazy podcast, on Facebook. <laughs> you know, Go ahead and uh, reach out to us on there, and you can tell us what movie you think we should do next, uh, which one of us is more crazy than the other, or who's the better-looking one. My money's on me. Anyways, just please remember, don't be crazy. Thank you for listening.